same. Okay, so counting down from three, two, one, three, three, two, two, one, one. <laughs> you know the countdown. We need to do it together so I can sync it. So we need to count together. You couldn't hear me. Hello. Yeah. I was counting with you. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Let's try that again. Yeah. Okay. Counting down in <laughs> one, true. two, three, 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 two, two. One. One. You couldn't hear me that time either? <coughs> Excuse me. Nah, Hello? I, nah, I, I had a frog in my throat. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I counted both times, I swear. <laughs> the recording was when I send you the recording, it'll mm. show I counted both times. Now we got to count together. So when I say one, two, three, then start counting. <clears throat> you got it? Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Three, three, two, two, one. Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. And welcome to Just Fired. We are without G and Jasanga as uh, they're in the midst of uh, some pressing business. But I do have the Batman to, actually, the Robin to my Batman. It's KB, the man, the myth, the legend, Kairos Budley. What's going on, my brother? I just hope you remember all the times I stepped up when everyone couldn't. I was tall when everyone wanted to fall out on you. Remember this moment. You know something, I think that we need to settle something from the off. Look, I really do feel that I am Batman in this duo. And I think to, to actually seal the deal, I feel that we need to run through a few lines just so that the listeners are clear in their own minds as to who's Batman. So I'm gonna go first. <clears throat> Where is he? Where is he? I'm Batman. Okay, you'll go. You know what? If that's what it takes to be Batman, you can you can be Batman. <laughs> you got it. No, man. You, you, no, you got to step up to the plate. You talk the big talk, but, you know, you, you have to actually put your vocals where they matter on I the platter. I feel like, you know what? You're more adept to be a Batman than me. I'm probably not even like the hero type. I'm probably like Hancock, the guy who just hasn't had his shit straight. <laughs> and then he just slowly gets together when people have already like expected nothing of him. I'll be Hancock. You could be Batman. And that's that. I feel like I, that's a pretty good mix. Yeah, but it's not going to work then. Someone has to be Robin. See, I'm Batman. Just so so be Robin. <laughs> <laughs> he can't defend himself either. He's Robin. Anyway, I, I, I think we've labored the point too much i feel as though it's time to get down to the audio business as usual on shots fired we chat through some of the burning issues now we've both got a couple of things <clears throat> excuse me that we bring to the table this week i want to kick things off 
I want to kick it off with what seems to be a slew of MMA movies which are dropping this quarter. First up, we had Cage Fighter, which we've reviewed to death. Second one, uh, which we have dropping on November the 20th, is Jiu-Jitsu. The third one, dropping on the same day, again because it's on demand, <laughs> is Embattled. Now, it stars Stephen Dorff the legendary Stephen Dorff, and he plays a famous mixed martial artist who his son is aspiring to follow in his famous footsteps. But it seems like from the trailer that um, Stephen Dorff's character, that the famous mixed martial artist, it is a bit of a, a, an abusive father. And um, the story is kind of a, a redemptive one, which is a journey in which the son must figure out how to break the abusive cycle that his father has actually left behind. And, um, it, you know, for me, I love the premise. I like the visuals, what I saw. It was a very um, pacing, quite a racy trailer at 2 minutes and 31 seconds. But the thing that kind of perplexed me is they put the entire film in the trailer. Every single thing that you need to know about this film is in there. We're talking in terms of story arc as well. It takes you from the beginning when they're walking out, they're pacing up and down, they're about to do battle. And that is, you know, he's, um, well, the son is his um, dad's cornerman. Now, for me, the whole story plays out in this trailer because you get to learn that, because of the abusive relationship that they have, the son takes it upon himself um, to try and show his father, look, I'm no pushover and takes a fight. But the fight that he takes, actually, it's a, it's a series of fights, which ends up with him actually going up against his father. So they go head to head. They're embattled, as the name would suggest. Now, you've seen the trailer. Like I say, just to close my review on this and to, to make my point that I'm bringing to the table. What is it that you feel is inspiring so many people to actually put out these mixed martial arts movies? I mean, would we would do do we think that it's the season to be? Is is it seasons seasons beatings? Um, and, and the second thing is, what did you think of the trailer? Does that like entice you to watch Embattled when it drops on digital on November the twentieth? Well, first, I think the motivation was there's a lot of trash content in the MMA community filling the void right now. So they're like, all right, we saw the previous movie that we will not be naming. And they're like, we got to do better than that. We got to actually let this sport show true to its colors. So I feel like that's motivation as well as we haven't had a lot of representation in the MMA community, period, point blank, when it comes to movies and cinema or however you want to call it, film, flicks, whatever your terminology is. So mm. um, I like it, though, like. Uh, as far as people talking about the trailer, I, I always get a weird feeling when people always say, well, we know how the movie's going to be. I, I thought that was the purpose of the trailer, to be honest with you. Like, I remember when Inception came out, people were like, what the fuck is that movie about? It's like, yeah. all right, well, they had to redo the trailer and revamp it and show you the exact the whole movie. And then people were pleased then. So mm -hmm. me personally, I'm OK with them showing the whole movie because now I'm invested. I'm definitely going to go out and watch. Well, I'm going to go see it and pay for it, whatever. I don't know if I'll be able to go out and watch it. And uh, was that everything? Yeah, that was a trailer. That was it. I like it, though. I feel like a lot of people are going to hate on this movie, but I feel like it's going to be the next Never Back Down. I hope you watch that movie. I think it's going to be the next Warrior. I've, it's got that aesthetic. It's got that kind of like um, heartwarming feel to it. It's got that redemptive story as well. And it does look like it having uh, the involvement of Stephen Dorff does actually um, up the game in terms of the actors involved. So I really do feel that it's going to be a, a legit um 
acting what what we see on screen. But in terms of story, I, I think that's a pretty decent story. <clears throat> I think it's I think it's gonna be great. Like I feel like the dimensions of him dealing with abuse and then you saw in the trailer where he slapped his I don't know if that was his younger brother, if that was somebody else who he knew, and that like triggered him. I feel like that's a lot of storyline that we don't often hear t- in terms of like the lives of mixed martial arts. A lot of yeah. these mixed martial artists come from broken households and families. And mm. um, that's a factor in those relationships too. You hear, uh, I believe Jessica I always talking about her poor relationship with her father. You hear about a few mm-hmm. other people talking about that sort of thing. So I think it's important that they implement <clears throat> that into the movies when you talk about this. Cause that's the one thing that I don't like is when they represent sports, but then they don't tell the full story of like, yeah. the, um, there's this movie called um, Any Given Sunday. And one of the things that they slowly told you about without actually telling you explicitly is the concussion. That was issue. Jamie Foxx. Yes, And sir. Uh, Al Pacino. Yes. Yes, yes sir. About, must have been about 20 years ago. Yes. Yes. It's a phenomenal wow. movie. Why are you saying okay. wow? What do you mean wow? It just seems like it was yesterday, though. But I cast my mind back. I'm sure it was about 20 years ago I saw oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were just saying that. Oh, I don't expect you to know that movie. But, yeah. No, 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 no. I know, I know you're well-traveled in terms of uh, movie and uh, filmography, in terms of um, your back catalogue that you've seen. I know a little bit. I don't know too much. But, yeah, they showed, like, the whole problem with football and how they treat athletes like they're cattle or chattel. And it's like, oh, well, you're hurt. You're a toy. You're not a human being to us. Let's just stick them with these, um, with this steroid. Or let's just stick them with this treatment and then send them back out there. And this one guy did it for an entire season. And then he basically almost got paralyzed permanently. But he still was mm. cheering and championing himself for even for being treated as, like, an indisposable, not indisposable, a disposable tool. And I felt like a lot of people missed that message, but they were just so happy about James. Fox fucking scoring touchdowns so that is what it is though yeah yeah you know one thing I didn't touch on at the beginning of the show it's awful quiet where you're at and take it that you know the places that are, are boarded up are nowhere near you and you're nowhere near the melee that um, they say is going to go down because it's looking right now as we record this on a razor's edge now I'm guessing when people actually um, are listening to this that, you know, we will be looking at either um, Joe Biden as a new president or um, the current incumbent, and that is uh, Donald Trump, uh, clinging on for dear life and actually uh, walking back into the White House. But how is that actually unfolding where you're at now? There's, yeah, I feel like it's a little bit more laid back and reserved here. Like, I'm a little bit outside of Detroit. And mm. I don't really see too many buildings and businesses boarding up premature, like how you saw in New York where half blocks were boarded up, the White House is boarded up in like Washington, yeah. like all that sort of thing. Like, it's not necessarily the case here. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, there's not going to be any violence or actions after the fact, because maybe people just mm. aren't like, I'm not boarding my business up early. Maybe that's just the attitude here. But I'm not going to say whether there is or is not going to be violence, because I certainly do not know. Because that's one of the intriguing things from where I'm sitting in the UK now, which incidentally, uh, those people in the UK listening to this will be like myself on a national lockdown. We are um, almost like prisoners in our own homes now. We're very restricted in our movement. But just under these uh, oppressive conditions that we are now in lockdown, because it's supposedly for our safety, just looking at what's actually unfolding over in the States. Um, Do you feel as though um, it will be more violent if Trump gets back in or equal amounts of violence 
if Biden gets in? Because I'm trying to work out from my little um, hideout here in the UK, I could say under lockdown conditions, where things actually stand, why there is this kind of like rush for guns, why people have actually been buying not one guns, but two guns, three guns and automatics and all sort of rifles uh, preparing for this. What are they preparing for? I think it's just fear manifesting itself in like consumerism. And as far as who's going to be like the catalyst for that violence, I don't see it in that lens per se. I think that oftentimes, even when you see people doing protests, you have people who just take advantage of the situation Ah. and then they indulge in that. Like I hate seeing people doing stuff like during black lives matters protests and then people just frame it like oh well black lives matter just looted a black owned business what do you motherfuckers mm. think i don't like um saying that certain people are responsible for certain things i just think that just like in all things there are crimes of opportunity and people are going to be people and people are going scumbag is going to scumbag so i don't think if there's going to be violence i don't think the outcome of this election is necessarily going to determine it i think there's going to be violence ah. regardless i think no matter who wins there will probably be so I know I'm stepping back on what I said earlier, but I think I'm leaning more towards there's probably going to be violence regardless. It's just a matter of right. who we think we're going to blame for it. Wow, that's quite a that's quite a, a frightening prospect because what you're saying is that it's inevitable regardless of who gets in. It's not like they're prepping for one outcome; they're prepping for the outcome. Correct. It's similar to how um there was some protests in Ferguson, and I believe Tyron Woodley was even there when it happened too, but I don't know why I threw that in there. That's pointless to bring in. But (laughs) what I'm getting at is this. There was a lot of people arrested because of their actions during the protests, like with looting and um, destruction of property. And I forget the percentage, but a large percentage of the people who were arrested were registered from out of state, which means they came into Missouri to lay waste there. So you have to think it in terms of this. Like, there's a lot of people who want to blame certain people and certain mm. um, forces or certain movements for certain things. But there's a lot of people who just see these movements. They aren't affiliated with it. They don't believe in it. But they say, great, if I can use that as cover for what I'm trying to do, then that's perfectly fine. I have wow. no problem doing Because people do that. People have been doing that since forever. The modern era of black civil, of not just black civil rights, but civil rights in general, of peaceful protests. Mm. You always have these people who migrate into the city, who migrate into the state, and they lay waste to it. And they aren't even citizens there. So that's why I get upset when people are always like, you're destroying your town. You're Because that's insinuating that the people there are automatically to blame for what's happening guilty there. And, and guilty i i always look and in judgment and saying why the fuck would you break up take up and smash up your own town but you're you're right these are kind of like sleeper agents who have come in to take advantage basically is what you're saying yeah and i just like and sure i'm sure there's certain people who are there also who are laying waste mm. and like who, i'm not gonna sit here and just point it all like no it's them they're trying to shake no i'm not saying that but i'm am saying it is a huge factor that people often overlook that's all i'm saying okay wow you know i don't know how we segue into your or what you're bringing to the table but um i'm not sure if you can hear that ex- those explosions uh going off in the background no that isn't um people actually looting because they can't get food we we we, we are um looking at a kind of a quiet lockdown it would seem it's like fireworks going off in oh. the background so i'm guessing i'm guessing you're gonna bring the fireworks now i'm bringing the fireworks this is good you're talking about something that was overlooked this is overlooked 115 pounds it's my favorite division i don't talk about it a lot because there hasn't been much to talk about and that's my question 
what is going on with this division? We had one of the greatest fights of all time and the greatest fight of the year happen with Yoani and Jacek versus Weili Zhang. But yet, we haven't capitalized on a rematch. We haven't scheduled it. In fact, we're doing the complete opposite direction that we thought we would take and trying to have Rosnam Yunus versus Weili Zhang. Now, on paper, it's like, great. This is going to be a phenomenal fight too and it has potential to be another fight of the night slash fight of the year candidate. But it's like, if Wei Li loses to Rose, then we lose out on a potential on the potential for having another blockbuster fight down the line. Because it's like, all right, great. Joanna has fought Rose twice and lost twice. I, I believe she won the second time, but people don't see it that way. So what's the odds that Joanna is going to get a third shot at her when she's lost both? So that's another fight that's going to be off the table. And then what? You're going to have Wei Li versus Joanna as a fight night, like main event? Like, no. I don't understand why a lot of the top fighters in this division are not taking fights or not being given fights and then we aren't promoting future fights i just i don't understand what the strategy is and i'm not happy about it one bit yeah I, i'm ecstatic at seeing those two go at it again what you what do you mean wiley zhang yoanna yun jacek is up there for fight of the year you and i know that there's no getting away from that plus they threw down with the thickness and i can't wait to actually see that all over again how, how 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 could that not excite you you misunderstand me i'm saying that's what i want to happen but i'm saying that's not what's happening right now they're getting away from it by trying to schedule rose versus way lee that's what i'm saying nah i'm with you yeah I, and okay. i'm okay yeah who do you think you're talking to i'm a yoana <laughs> warrior what do you think this is man I don't, you must not know me all these weeks and months working together i just i feel like you don't even know me <laughs> No, you're right. I mean, that that is the rightful fight to make. But I've got this feeling, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've got this feeling that they want their All-American champion. Because if you notice, it, it, it's funny how they're always pushing Rose as, you know, something to be reckoned with, someone to behold. And they give her a lot of promo time. I don't know if you noticed that as well. Um... I haven't really noticed it, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's not deserved. I believe she's one of the most well-rounded fighters on the roster, regardless of gender and regardless of division. So I understand what they're trying to do, but she just doesn't always come to play every single time. Like you saw in the yeah. Andrade rematch, like she looked great, but there was something off about her. Like she was she was getting hit a lot more. She was getting tired like earlier on. So I don't know if that's just because she's fighting Andrade or if she's just like hit her peak or whatever. But I don't think they should continue investing as much into her when you have other people in the division who have just as much potential and aren't looking like they're slowing down. But I could be wrong, you know. But to be fair, I mean, I know <laughs> I, I can I can hear the conversation already that's coming. But rankings, man, rankings. Oh, okay. Where she is in the rankings, you would say that she would be deserved of a crack at Wiley Zhang, right? I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because here's my issue. <laughs> you can't. You can't lose, then wait an entire calendar year to get back in there, then fight, go on a one-fight winning streak, and then get a title fight. I just, I'm not a fan of that. I see Robert Whitaker campaigning for a title shot after two wins also, even though he got KO'd, like, embarrassingly and outclassed for his entire... I don't... I'm not a fan. I'm sure there's other people who might disagree, but yeah. there's other more deserving fighters. You look at... Joanna could be arguably one of the greatest female fighters of all time based off of what she's accomplished. Like, she has five mm. title defenses. She slayed the division so, so badly that they were just begging for... They gave Rose a title fight after only having, like, two or three wins in the division. That's how bad Joanna slayed that division. And sure, Rose came through, but it's just like... 
that's what happens when you have such greatness in a the division. They're giving shots to people who don't necessarily deserve them. So for them to gloss over Joanna like she's going to continue fighting forever is just foolishness because she's going to leave just like how Habib left us, just like how John might leave us. Like, we don't know. Hmm. You see, I, I, I keep coming back to this notion that they like and love to exalt Rose Namajunas to this position where, you know, she's the golden girl. She's the person who should rightfully be holding that strap and a division built around her. And that, that's the vibe I'm getting off this. The way that they pushed her and pushed her really, really quickly. That, you know, it only smacks of one thing. And that is, you know, she's being favoured. She's the golden child. She probably is. I'm not. You're probably right. You're probably right about that. They were pushing her really hard when she was coming off a tough and she ended up losing to Carla as far as not just fucked everything up. But yeah, yeah, I see what the, I see what's happening here. I see what's happening here. I get I peep that. I peep that. <laughs> OK, you know, one of the things which I was really, really uh, emotional about, um, well, it was a few weeks back was when we saw. Anderson Silva, first of all, take to the cage and, um, you know, he clashed Uriah Hall. It was obviously a man in his twilight years where mixed martial arts is concerned. But it was sad because when you look back on that clash, first of all, I don't have fond memories of it. It's not like he went out in the blaze of glory. It's not even though... You know, he, he got out of um, second gear. There was a lot of patty cake. There was a lot of um, flinching. There was a lot of taunts. And for me, it, okay, not necessarily taunts, but there was there was a, there, there was a certainly um, an, an amount of patty cake. And, you know, they were touching hands. And it, it was clear that Uriah Hall had ultimate respect for him. But when I look back on his career, especially of late, when I see and remember losses to Jared Karanir and Israel Adesanya and Daniel Cormier, Michael Bisping. You know, in his last six fights, yeah, he's only won one. And then before that, you know, what's ringing out in, in my ears is that snap when his leg actually broke in the octagon. So... When you think before that, this was a guy who was on a tear. We're talking like a dominant champion. Towards the status of GOAT is what people were pushing him. And rightly so. When you look at his repertoire, when you look at his resume, when you look at the people who he fought, we're talking like a who's who. Stefan Bonner, Charles Sonnen, Yushin Akami, Vito Belfort. Like a real rogues gallery of like highly touted names. But to end it as he did... And I would say temporarily ended it as he did in the octagon. That was his last fight, supposedly, in the UFC. It begs the question, he's left it open. But do we want to see him get back in there? Now, I started off by talking about legendary status and the fights which are resonating, or not necessarily resonating, but ringing out in my memory. And they're not beautiful. They're not elegant they're not the Anderson Silva that I've come to know and love and been following and plus you know there is a certain sentiment here that you know having met someone who I do consider you know to be a legend having sat down broke bread with him chatted with him and like you know he's 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 very very forthcoming in his answers very candid 
And to see him go out like that, not once, not twice, not third time, you know, just like constant back-to-back losses. And then for him to be talking about that isn't it from him. Am I in need of reining in when I say that I'm a firm believer that I should, and no one should, be in a situation where they tell a fighter that, mate, that's it, no mas, quit. But I feel that this needs to be said to Anderson Silva, and it's a bit of a sticky one for me because, like I say, I'm vehemently opposed to voicing that type of opinion. But in short, my thing that I'm bringing to the table this week is do you concur? Do you agree? Do you feel the same as me that perhaps Anderson Silva shouldn't be talking about doing battle, returning to the cage, having a clash in the cage, given that's his repertoire that we're looking at? I think we need to look at precedent. Nobody says the heavyweights should retire even though they're 59 years old competing week in and week out. I don't hear a single person ever say, oh, why is Big Nog, why is Little Nog still fighting? They're just like, ooh, that was a bad loss. So that's where I'm coming from this. So no, I do not agree with you. And here's why. I think there are fights out there for Anderson Silva that can absolutely be competitive. I think that they have just been giving him ranked opponents in the top 10 it's like all right we understand 44 mm. year olds you're you're not going to be able to compete with those guys that's fine there's room 45 for, 45 yeah there's room <laughs> for you to compete against other people your age and with their experience similar to yours and we and similar wear and tear but the problem with the ufc is when you reach a certain level of notoriety you are no longer able to access to like opponents who you we're mm-hmm. facing on the up and up. That's the one qualm that I have with the UFC in terms of their matchmaking. They don't understand how to slow shit down. And part of it's the fighters' fault for taking the fights because, you know, they're going to be fighters. They're going to be competitors. But the UFC also is having those fights and offering those fights at the same time. I'm going to be realistic with you. There's a lot of people who are watching that Israel Adesanya fight versus Anderson Silva and, like, saying, well, he could he could go toe-to-toe with Adesanya. Adesanya didn't finish him. Well, guys, Adesanya is so gifted that he didn't have to finish Anderson Silva to beat him. That's how great that type of fighter is. Same with a lot of the fighters who go to the decisions with them. They are so talented that they understand how to cruise to victory without having to lay it out. That's why I have so much respect for those guys. Same with Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier could have finished Anderson Silva multiple times when they fought him at UFC 200, but he didn't because Mm. he understood what Anderson represented to the sport and what Anderson had, had done by keeping the event going. But when I see a guy like Uriah fucking Hall out there (laughs) losing two rounds and then, all right, well, Mm. I guess I have to finish because I'm like, that shit gets me pissed off. Like, Mm. I am so sick. Like, I'm I'm not even going to say no disrespect. First of all, Uriah Hall, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself for doing that shit. The fact that you weren't skilled enough to beat that man in a five round and so you had to go out there gunning for his head. He's 45. You're 35. Like, bro, really? Really? It's kind of like those things where it's like, I'm trying to think of a perfect analogy. It's like one of those scenarios where I guess you could say, no, that's violent. I don't want to go down that road. But it's just one of those things. It's just like, you should be ashamed of yourself. That You're better than that. You're above that. Why are you beating the hapless? Like you went out there and just waylaid Anderson in the third round mm. as if you couldn't have just point fight it to the end. And watching- It's like beating your dad. Yes. It's like beating your- It's just like, why Why would you do that? <laughs> why? Like, that's one of the reasons why I just haven't been a fan of Uriah Hall as of late. He's been struggling with his mental strength and his fortitude, and he goes out there, and you never know what you're going to get. He goes out there and woofs against Kelvin Gaslam. He woofs against mm. half the division. Then, oh, when it's time mm. to fight Anderson Silva, oh, I'm going to do a highlight real knock. It's like, 
first of all, you're soft as shit for that. You don't get no points for that. You shouldn't be campaigning for no title <laughs> shots after that. As a matter of fact, we should make you fight Yoel. We should make you fight Whitaker again. We should make you fight Paulo again, just so you can show us if you're actually meant to be at this level. I don't like mm. the fact that he went out there and did that. And I think it's a bad representation of what Anderson Silva is capable of right now. The man could go to a different organization and perform well. He could still be in the UFC and fight unranked opponents. He, I feel like he could fight Omari Akhmadov and it could be an exciting fight. I feel like he could fight probably Brad Tavares and it'd be an exciting fight. There are people out there, Ian Heinish, people like that. He could go out there and fight them and it could be okay and he could possibly even win. But us handing him number five, handing him number 10, handing him number seven, it, it, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, you see, I hear where you're coming from and I would be of the same mind if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, we're talking about somebody who has had, as I mentioned, on the bounce, three losses. Then, okay, he had a win uh, with Derek Brunson, that being a unanimous decision. But again, before that, four losses. And I'm thinking to myself, really and truly, do you want to tarnish this man's legacy? You talk about the fact that, you know, Uriah Hall Sundin. You talk about the fact that, you know, it was like watching a son beat his dad. I mean, throwback to Embattled, we talked about, about at the beginning of the show. I know that's the premise of that film. I would find it entertaining, but that's the film. The fact of the matter is this. I don't like the fact that his reputation, his legacy, his legendary status for me now is tarnished. Forget about, you know, the blue pill or the blue vial that, you know, he, mista he mis mistakenly took. Um, forget that. What I'm looking at is a man who for a lot of people, has legendary status. Why would you further tarnish this man's legacy by putting him back in there? Surely it should be our duty of care to say, no more, no mas. I think as fight fans, we get into the whole mentality of, yeah, he's tarnishing his legacy, but that's the point. Yeah. It's his legacy. He can do with it as he sees fit. Mm. He can do as it, he can do as he sees fit. And I think that another issue is this. Yes, sure, you've been knocked out twice, but... That's he. That's two times being stopped, like from head trauma. That's not that big of a deal in terms of when you look at other people's careers. Like he has not absorbed that much damage for someone who has been fighting in this sport for like two dec, like two three decades. When you mm -hmm. look, this guy has not accumulated that much damage. So that's also why I'm optimistic about it. If this was how, um, who is it? Chuck Liddell fighting at like 49 against Tito, knockout number 10. Then I'd be a little bit more like reserved about my judgment, but. The guy hasn't taken that much damage. He's still showing signs that he can still compete, just not at the highest of levels. And as far as us saying, yeah, he's tarnishing his legacy. Well, it's already tarnished if we're going to be realistic at the end of it. So there's no going back anyway. So I don't understand why he shouldn't be free to do as he sees fits, especially when he's not getting KO'd senseless. Like, that was a soft TKO. I, he, Uriah was landing on him on the floor, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, please stop the fight. It was just like, all right, I think Anderson has had enough type of deal. You know something, you know, this is a very, very pivotal moment, a very special moment that I've got to hand it to you. You've half convinced me and it's very rare that happens. You know it. You yeah, know it. That's true. But the thing I would say about your argument is I hear that in terms of damage, in terms of um, blows taken, you're right. He sustained little or next to no damage comparatively when you look across the board. My worry is this. Are we going to soft soap him by giving him someone? Let's just imagine that we know that 
Um, Scott Coker is in the wings, rubbing his hands. He'd be like, yeah, baby, coming over over here real soon. Let's just imagine that happens. Who do you give him? All right, would you give him someone like Paul Daly at the end of his career, at, in the twilight of his years, but still a live dog, and he will push your off button with the swiftness? Would you? No, but that's different. That's that's a completely no, <laughs> How is it no, different? no. Paul, how is it different? Because Paul Daly is was consistently winning though at the end of his tail. It's not. That's not the same. And no, 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 no. That's not the same. That's not the same. Then who at do you all. give him? And who do you give him without disrespecting his legacy? Are you telling me that we're dumbing down Anderson Silver in terms of respect by saying, okay, we'll give you someone who's not so much of a live dog, but someone who will um, effectively throw hands with you, but you will win. Are we actually at the stage of Anderson Silver's career where we're saying we're going to give him some gimmies? I mean, is that we, what you're saying here? We we could we there are ways we hmm. could work around this. We could try and negotiate to get Chael out of retirement. We could try and get him against Leota. Like there's fights that we could try and work for to give him versus us saying, you know what? Let's give him Lorenz Larkin, Paul Daly, MVP, Gegard Musas. Like we don't have to do that. Okay, we don't have. <laughs> they, you have. We're under this pretense that we have to give this guy people who have just been murking people for their entire career, even though they're. Yeah. comparable in age they still have skill set to back up their age though i don't think we have to have it all or nothing where it's like all right well we're either going to give you killers or it's time for you to retire because mm. at the end of the day anderson silva can still beat a lot of fighters a lot of fighters at 185 pounds i don't i don't okay. think i'm like stepping out of bounds by saying that i think he could beat a lot of people i just don't think mm. he can beat the people who have a chance at stepping foot in the top 15 that's the difference of any uh promotion Okay. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm slightly convinced now. Actually, no, I am convinced. I'm convinced because what you've done is kind of like pave the way for him to still remain relevant, but you're not giving him walks in the park. You're giving him, you know, sort of like a test, but obviously not a live dog killer. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that Paul Daly talk, you're out of pocket for that one. So now you you out of, you must think I'm crazy if I would say, yeah, give a Paul Daly. Bro, no. Like I say, he's he's a he's a case in point because he's got one fight on his contract. Or actually he hasn't got one fight on his current contract. What he said is he is cutting his career short mm. and he is happy to do a catch weight for his final bout. So he's got two more fights on his contract, but he's just he, he's cutting his career short by saying, I'm taking one more fight and that'll be it. So that's why I thought of Paul Daly. Comparable in terms of years, um, comparable in terms of uh, length and breadth of career, comparable in terms of killers he's faced. Hence the reason why, you know, he did spring to mind. And comparable in that, you know, Paul is, Paul, Paul is, is done with the sport. This is more of a contractual obligation than anything else. And one thing that's really weird that I notice is you ever notice that it's always the Brazilian fighters who are just able to endure for long periods of time with their careers? <laughs> have you know? Have you been able to see that? Like, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at who are all the fighters who are just staying in the sport for far too long, arguably, mm -hmm. but still competing. And at the top of my list, like the first ten names are like Brazilian people. I don't know if they're just built different. If a lot of these fighters are just from that generation that just don't give a fuck, or like. I don't know, but I feel like we need to do a research study on this one. You know what? Immediately, I'm thinking stature, status, and mentality. Those are the three things which actually 
embodies and emboldens those fighters to say, you know what? No, this is my life. This is what I do. This is my reason for being. Mm. That's probably. Yeah. But no, you, you've you've convinced me. I'm. I, I hats off to you because it's very rare that that happens. Now I got to get it. I've got to give it to you. This is why I'm Batman and this is why you're Robin. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. You were talking all that trash before the show started about I'm the side. No, you the sidekick. Man, you can only be Batman once you do the voice. And like I say, I, I've taken it to that level where the voice, I feel, I personally feel was on point. But getting back to the matter at hand, Robin, what else are you bringing to the table? Um, The other thing that I want to talk about is Israel out of... So- is this the second one or the third topic that was... Okay, well, we already talked about election. Why is Israel Adesanya moving up to light heavyweight right now? Is this because he wants to have the title so when John Jones returns back, he has no choice but to face him? Or is Israel just seeing this as an opportunity to take the title and just hold on to it? Because I'm sitting here thinking, if John Jones is going to go up to heavyweight, is it going to be for a long period of time? Or is this going to be a one-off when he comes back down? Now, if Israel is under the pretense that John is coming back, I think this is a brilliant plan. But... If Israel is under the pretense that John isn't coming back, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that's a little bit soft. I feel like it's a little bit pretentious. And I feel like it's fake because I call anybody else out for doing it as fake. So if that was his whole motivation for going up to 205, Israel, you kind of fake as fuck for that. It's clear 100% what the UFC are doing. In particular, we know they love stories and we know they love narratives. The aim is for Izzy to secure that title. And you know, just like the Pied Piper of Hamilton, that rat John Jones will come singing, <laughs> swinging down the street as soon as that glint of gold is round Izzy's waist, if he does actually manage to starch or even finish or even, you know, get through um, Jan Blakowicz. I, I can see that is a route that they have thought about, that they have planned, that they have brainstormed, and that is a way of enticing John back. But it's so risky because you're you're assuming he's going to win against Jan. I'm sitting here like, yes, Israel Adesanya is 6'4", 6'5". He's tall, but he's not mm. necessarily a light heavyweight. Similar to how people see John Jones. Yeah, he's tall and he has the longest reach in the UFC, but he's not necessarily a heavyweight. So it's, I'm sitting here like, okay, great. And what's the timetable for John's return? Let's say Israel beats Jan. And John's like, no, I'm not coming back yet. Now Israel mm. has to fight two, three, four more light heavyweights before. What happens when Tiago Santos fights Israel Adesanya? What happens <laughs> when Dominic Reyes fights? Like, yes, I understand. Israel could beat Jan. But there's certain matchups that just aren't going to be good for that style of fighter. Like, if John had to fight um, Francis Ngannou, if John had to fight... Uh, Alistair Overeem, I think that those fights would be a little bit tougher for him because of his mm. lack of weight and stature in the division. Like, yeah, sure, James Vick is six foot three, fighting at 155 pounds, getting knocked out every single fight, though. Yes, you had, um, who was it that was six, uh, the guy who was fighting at flyweight, and he's 5'11", but still losing consistently. I can't even remember his name because yeah. he doesn't win a lot. Just because you're a certain height doesn't mean you should be fighting in that division. And I don't like this idea because it's a huge gamble. What happens if Israel goes up, fights Jan, and gets embarrassed? You just lost one of your biggest potential future stars for 2021 and further. John's going to be John. John's going to win. He's going to know when to not fight, and he's going to be around. But what happens when he retires too? Great. You just lost two major stars because you got greedy. No, but you're forgetting that... You know, Izzy is no slouch. Izzy is no Johnny-come-lately when it comes to the stand-up game. I mean, he's an accomplished kickboxer, and you've seen his prowess. I'm sure you have. I'm sure I've even seen some of his highlight reels 
on your timeline. So I, I'm I'm thinking that when you actually put them side by side, Jan Blakovic and um, Izzy uh, Adesanya, you have to look at it like this. Technically speaking, Izzy is a far superior fighter. He's a far more intelligent fighter. He's a far more precise fighter. There is no way. I don't see Izzy losing that fight, to be honest with you. I, if it's a kickboxing fight, Israel's going to win. Same as how if it's a kickboxing fight against John, Israel's going to win. But mm. I'm worried mm. about the grappling. That's the, that's the one thing that people, like, yes. Look at his takedown defense, though. Come against on. middleweights. I can't, he's, he's stopping middleweights <laughs> from taking him down, though. It's like, okay, great. What Jan Blahovich is probably, what, 250-something pounds. I feel like he's probably mm. pushing, probably, when he's out of shape and not working out, he probably walks around at probably 250. When he's probably in shape, I'd say he's probably anywhere between 235 to 240. So when yeah. he steps in that cage, he's probably 240. Israel weighed in at like 183 pounds for middleweight multiple times. So his probably walk around weight might be 187. You're going to yeah. tell me you're going to stuff takedowns from a guy that size or stop a guy that weight from pushing you up against the cage? I don't think so. I don't think so <laughs> one bit. Put it this way. I'm not going to lie. I was really shocked when um, that was announced. I, 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 I thought it was a game. I thought that this was some kind of like back and forth um, that was going to remain online. But it's kind of clear that they are serious about, you know, lining him up with John. And if that's the way that they're planning to do it, they must see something that you aren't actually seeing. Because <laughs> I, I, I just feel as though I, I I look at the striking prowess and I think that will win him the fight. Yes, you're right. Um, I reckon someone like Jan will be looking to take him down. Someone like Jan will be looking to, you know, strangle him on the, on the map. But I don't even think he gets to the map. I really don't. If it, if it doesn't get to the map, then great. We have nothing to work. That was my biggest qualm. If it does not get to the ground or if he is not getting pressed up against the cage, we have absolutely nothing to worry mm. about because it's going to go according Yen's to not, plan. Yan's not a jiu-jitsu phenom. Yan's not, that's not his go-to. When you think about it, I mean, okay, yeah, he'll wrestling him up against the cage probably, but in terms of taking him down and choking him out, I can't see it. I no. really can't. What? Okay, do you think this is a plausible strategy for Yan? Yan just mm. says, all right, great. I'm going to clinch up against the cage and Usman you. Stomp your feet for 25 minutes. What, what do you think that's going to look like for the division? Yan's title defense <laughs> is foot stomping Israel Adesanya for 25 minutes. Great. Now Israel has a loss. Now a champion in the division looks like he doesn't want to give exciting performances. It's just there's so much that can go wrong. I hear you. There's I so You're much. Right. And that's why I'm just like, all right, great. You know what? Sure. Let's risk it. We're in the era of the MMA sphere where we don't protect people anymore. You got to fight who we say you got to fight and X, Y, and Z. Fine. I appreciate that. And I acknowledge that. But just be prepared. When we start losing stars, I warned you. I warned you. <laughs> I would be surprised, I have to say, if that were his um, tactic. Because when you look at his fighting style, when you look at his repertoire, when you look at who he's faced in the past... He's never, ever been that type of fighter. Typically, I mean, you know he's got a, a, a come-forward style. You know yeah. that he isn't the type to uh, be clinching. And he likes to throw. He likes to get into the midst of the action. He likes to actually showcase his skill. He loves to fight. Fighting's in his DNA. Having sat down with a man, I don't think... 
um, unless he was lying to me. I don't think it's in his repertoire. I don't think it's in his makeup to actually stall out fights, to wear fighters down. He's more into, look, I'm going to showcase my skill as a, well, as a dominant champion, as a dominant fighter, as somebody who, you know, can actually um, put you through the ringer in the stand-up game. Okay, so answer this question for me. Does he come off more so as an individual who will do whatever it takes to win or an individual who rather win his way? Mm. You know what? I, I, I think that, yes, he is. He does strike me as somebody who wants to secure the win in his way because a win is a win. But just looking at, you know, his repertoire, just looking at how he finishes fights, it, it, it's not just about, you know, being ugly. It's not just about going in there and doing what you have to do to win. Like I say, I haven't sat down with him. He, he, he strikes me just from what he was saying to me as a type of person that, no, he's, he's, he's there as somebody, not necessarily to entertain the crowd, but he's got a skill set which he's really proud of and that he's happy to put on show grinding someone up against the cage, taking someone down and, you know, rubbing them and uh, slow dancing with them on the canvas isn't in his repertoire. But I've got to concede, though, I've got to give it to you that obviously, you know, him having submissions in his game. I mean, remember when he um, arm triangle choked um, Nikita Krylov and um, that wasn't the first time where his submission skills was on show because really and truly, he does have an arsenal which... Um, is wide, but what I'm saying is, you know, maybe I'm saying it in a roundabout way, that isn't his go-to. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I'm asking these questions because the fighters who he has finished standing up, he didn't have to use that grappling. Like, those guys weren't the caliber of striker issuers. It's like, all right, great. You you fought Luke Rockhold. You touched him. He went down. You fought Corey. You touched him. He went down. You fought Dominic Reyes. Mm. It was a little bit competitive, but you touched him and he went down. What happens when you can't touch Israel and he won't go down? Are you going to sit here and say, nah, I'm going to swing it out for it. I got to win my way. Are you going to say, you know what? I'm calling on the ancestors of Usman and we're going to go to work and we're going to win this right. That's what I'm saying. And it, I could be wrong. He's going to, he probably is going to do what he wants to do and do what you say. And he's probably going to go out there and strike. But I'm just worried about everything that could go wrong, going wrong. Because as of 2020 right now, the MMA like community does not give a shit about like the MMA mm. gods don't care about these outcomes. They don't care about Israel going undefeated and fighting John undefeated and then them settling it. For all we know, John and Israel could both lose in their next fights. Then it's just like, oh, great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know why I, I've got that kind of like ingrained in my head that it will be kind of like a stand up war. It will be largely um, tested on the feet because... I'll always remember when he fought um, Jimmy Manua. Now, love Jimmy, but his ground game isn't um, isn't phenomenal. And um, you would have thought, okay, this is what Yan is going to do. He's going to take him into deep water, take him down, choke him out. Couldn't take him down. Takedown defense was too tight, too yeah. tough for him. And I see, again, respect to Jimmy Manua. There's levels in terms of takedown defense. I see Jan Blakowicz, um not being able to take Izzy down. I really don't see it. Okay. I I, I hope you're right because I like Israel Adesanya. I'm mad that Jan <laughs> did that to my boy Dominic Reyes, but I just <laughs> I'm just scared. I'm just there's a lot that I don't know about Jan, and I just feel like that just scares me. Yep. Um, okay. 
just before we finish off, just before we um, go off into the night and discover what awaits us in this uh you know what i was really expecting you know what i saw sorry to go for a tangent but it just 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 reminded me you know what i saw those those boards and those um those hammers and nails being uh hammered in and uh securing buildings i was expecting the purge i really was <laughs> i it just it looked like something out of the purge man seriously you know what's something out of the purge tito ortiz being elected to city council <laughs> that bro i'm sitting here thinking this is a man who said on on record black lives matter yeah. told him that they were going to rape the women and the children he literally mm. said that word for word he said black lives matter told me they made a mistake last time they didn't burn the city to the ground they said they're going to do it the next time they said they're going to rape the women and children and then he later said not on my watch and I was like woo cheer for him this man accumulated over thirty thousand votes he, wow! Whoa, 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 whoa! Break it down for me. This is news to me. Take, take, take me back to where this was. Who was saying what? And how? And what context? I'm, I'm, I'm actually speechless. Are you serious? You okay? This doesn't need context because that's literally what he said. There, no one asked him anything. He was giving a speech at a rally he was holding in oh. Huntington Beach. Yeah, so he's around tens of thousands of people, probably thousands of people, saying this rhetoric. He wasn't asked about them. He just went out there on a tangent and basically said Antifa and Black Lives Matter said that to him. So now he's tying up two people together, two groups together. Jesus. And then he's saying that they're, he, they're going to physically assault people and basically telling the crowd that if you vote for him, he's not going to allow that to happen on his watch. And 30-something thousand people voted for him. He got a seat. So think about this for a second. A person capable of saying those things got elected to office also Man. i'm sorry can you can you can go I, I was about to say that you know the, the guy doesn't even understand how to string two sentences together man's talking about yeah i want the people to use me as a conduit to the city and i'm yeah. thinking you don't even know the word means. <laughs> <laughs> these words are just tumbling at your mouth and you can't stop them that was bad i saw that video too i'm just like so i'm sitting here like the American people, I don't know what type of people <laughs> vote in your elections, but I vote in all. I don't just wait for the presidential. I do my state, local, everything. I vote for the treasure. I research all these people. So like, mm. but I still acknowledge the majority of voters aren't looking for that and they only are voting in the presidential election. They aren't familiar with policies. They're just familiar with personality. So I understand that. Yeah. But the personality that you're seeing is saying stuff like this and you still have the audacity <laughs> to vote for him. Yeah. What is yeah. going on in our like country? Slumber to Unbelievable. like- and. One, ugh, I don't understand how people are going to sit here and defend a person who says and does the things that Tito and our current president have done. Mm. I don't. <laughs> it, it is the purge. You, it, America's the purge, man. I just like I'm gonna get my gun. <laughs> I'm gonna get my gun. Wow. Wow. Well. Uh, shoot responsibly. That's all I'd say. No warning <laughs> shots. No, y'all fucked it up. My my kindness in my heart's gone after y'all did this. Uh, this is like, <laughs> I I'm appalled by this. I I'm gonna give you something. I was talking to my friend the other day, and here's one thing that got mm. me really upset about this. I was like, I texted my friend. I was like, Hey, did you vote? Because there's been a few people who have hit me up and asked me, Um, did I vote? And I thought that was great. I was like, That that's the sign of great people in your life who ask you, Are you willing to make a change in your community? So I asked one of my friends. And I was like, Hey, did you vote? And she was like. 
no, but I'm trying to, but I believe that the government should be overthrown and all this other like, like verbiage of people who want to be like a wannabe revolutionary. But I'm just sitting here like, so what have you done to help mm. overthrow the government that you say that you think mm. needs to be overthrown and how you don't want to vote yeah. other candidates? But I didn't say that. I'm like, this is my friend. I'm gonna come from a position of love. And so I say to her, I'm like, hey, listen, you could still vote for your local and state governments that directly benefits you and affects your life. Why do you, why aren't you investing in learning about those candidates? And then they're like, yeah. well, I have the right to vote and I um, registered to vote, but I just didn't do it. And blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, listen, I caution you to please don't get into that mentality of people who are just like, well, I don't like the status of our government. And I think we need to change it, but I'm not going to take steps to worth to changing. I'm just going to hope that we revolutionize and change the world. That shit doesn't happen. It's not realistic. It's not like I, I really hope people change that frame of mindset. And I also don't like how there are people who think that just because you're liberal, that absolves you of having any sort of racism in your life. I hear this speech all the time of people saying, yeah. all racists voted for Trump, but all of Trump's followers aren't racist. I'm like, okay, no, there are racist people in the Democratic <laughs> Party. I see it on yep. my timeline every single day. Yep. Like you were... I don't understand why people think that political affiliation means you are or you are not something. It's case by case mm -hmm. basis. I, that's another thing that gets me upset. We should have had this on the first half of the talk show, but I, I just, I just, it just went over my head. I was just, I was just thinking about other stuff. <laughs> I'm intrigued by you know you talking about um, making a change and being part of that change because having spent um, over twenty years in government, and that is. I used to work as a civil servant um, for various administrations. I've worked for, um, over here they're called the Conservative Party. I've worked for the Labour Party. I've worked for the Coalition, which was oh, wow. um, a amalgam or a mixture of the Liberal Democrats and the Conservative Party. And then I worked again for the Conservative Party. So over the years, I've worked very, very closely with those in the seat of power. And I'm talking like with the ministers. So we're not just talking about at arm's length. Um, my job, um, it was a comms job. I was involved in um, assisting part of the communications for these individuals. Now, I have this apathy based on close contact with them because nothing changes. It's just a shuffling of the deck chairs to suit their individual nest, which they are feathering um, when their chance at power actually ends. The only time when I saw that there was genuine and tangible change was when there was a coalition and that was the Liberal Democrats were actually on the Conservatives' neck to actually implement policy which would actually make a tangible change tangible difference that's the only time in my 20 odd years working so closely with these people that i saw a difference my question to you is this do you think it's because of that sort of mentality and that is my mentality you know right or wrong someone might be listening to this thinking you're an arsehole for thinking that way but right or wrong do you think that there is a genuine apathy in that people just like you've just identified there are racists in both the Democrats and the Republicans, but there is also also um, almost a, a shuffling of the deck chairs when they get into power. Um, I think it's that, but I also think that there's a situation whereby there's a lot of people who are just misrepresenting the original intentions of our founding fathers. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try and speak on your situation with your parties, but before I do speak on my parties, how many mm. major parties are there 
in the UK. Like here it's Democrat and Republican are our major parties. Significant, um, it's conservative and Labour. But like I say, in, in the background, uh, there are various smaller parties, the, the Green Party and um, the Liberal Democrats. Like I say, the only time that Liberal Democrats sniffed government was when they were part of a coalition. But no, just to answer your question, the major parties um, would be the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. Okay, exactly. So it's a similar situation to our country. Our original founding father, when George Washington became president, he was our first ever president. He acted completely like how a president should have acted. He told him, you should not be wearing these fine clothings. You should not be dressing up like as a politician. You should not be tying yourself to a faction or a group of people. What you should Mm. be doing is presenting your ideas, not who you are affiliated with, not your personality, your ideas, and you should be elected based off of that merit. And even in mm-hmm. his farewell address, he told people, do not do this. Do not form parties and coalitions and factions. It'll destroy our democracy. And what did yeah. they do the next fucking election? Form the po- parties. You got the Libertarians. <laughs> you got the Democrats. You got the Republicans. You got the Green Party. You got the Liberty Party. You got so... They, they went from basically zero parties to almost 20 in the course of four years and that's the problem right now people now are feeling like they have to be loyal to parties otherwise their vote will not count out the first election i did i voted libertarian because the candidate almost word for word represented my core beliefs and it wasn't the typical libertarian beliefs too so so before y'all try and come for me and say i'm a coon it wasn't that type of stuff but (laughs) the point is this though when i found myself at the polls this time for the presidential election, not for my, my local and state government. It's a little bit different for us here and where I'm located because third parties actually have a chance. But for the presidential race and like the representatives of the state, I literally found myself compromising more times than not because last election I didn't compromise and the exact amount of people who voted third party would have turned mm. Michigan into a blue state. It was literally by 130,000 people that voted third party. And if all those people who voted third party would have voted democratic, we would have won Michigan. So that's why I think a lot of people who only fixate on the presidential election get in this wash of, well, I have to be loyal to this party, even though I don't like the candidates because no one else is voting for the right. Yeah. And no one's educated on anything other than what is like fun. If you're a a part of a party that's funded by millions, you're going to be visible. If you're not, you're not going to be visible and you're going to pay the price, unfortunately. Mm. But I do think in the next like 10 to 20 years, probably 20 years, third party candidates will be viable in a presidential election. I stand by that. Wow. You know, bringing it back on track, um, this Saturday we've got Thiago Santos and Glover Teixeira throwing down. I'm just intrigued just before you go who you've got in that because for me, Thiago Live Dog Kill a man twice, Santos is going to lay waste to Glover, old man Teixeira, um, about to draw his pink slip. Um, I don't really see that ending well. I, I see that in a brutal knockout. How do you see things? Um, I think it all determines on how Tiago comes back. When you suffer significant knee injuries like he did, he didn't just tear his ACL. It was his MCL, his PCL, mm-hmm. his meniscus, everything. I've torn ACL, and a lot of people don't come back the same way if you don't have the right mentality. So if he steps in there and he's not ready or he's doubting his confidence, who's to say that knee doesn't go out again? Who's to say he doesn't fight like how he's fought before in the past? But I'm still picking Tiago. I'm still picking Tiago, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I'm just saying, we can't expect this man to come back and be the exact person who went tit for tat with John Jones for 25 minutes straight, because I don't think that's fair. (laughs) I hear you. 
You know what? We burned through this hour with the swiftness and it always goes quickly when you and I start to chat. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on board. As I say, the Robin to my Batman. Oh my goodness. And um, oh, okay, you can be Hancock. You can yeah. be, we can form a, like a mini Justice League. We'll have okay. Hancock in the Justice League. How about that? I can accept that. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... The guys and the girls, and the girl, I should say, or the woman. You can't really call her a girl. Man, I hope yeah. she's not listening to this. You can't be, be disrespecting her like that. <laughs> she'd be kicking my ass next time we uh, we touch down on the WOCast. But we'll be back, obviously, next week after this weekend's incredible fights. And um, until then, enjoy the next seven days. <laughs> Separate the weak from the oxa, leap hard to creep the Brooklyn street. It's on again, stop all that bickering beat. beat.